0: missus just got back from uh, last night from uh, Bothell, got to, to uh, give five lectures in two days at Apologetics Conference, and that went really, really well, so thank you for your prayers on that, and uh, just a reminder, this, this coming Sunday is Dr. Tom Hoyle, the guy who's the expert on uh, creation science, and so he'll be speaking in the morning service and the evening service, 6 p.m. service as well. And uh, so if you can come by, you want to invite a few friends, that would be really good. So, but that's Dr. Tom Hoyle, and hopefully he'll bring his wife Penny with him uh, as well. Now we're going over basic Christian beliefs, and uh, we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 5. And so as you turn there, let's, let's go to the Lord uh, in a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord. We pray that you help us to love you more. As we go over basic Christian beliefs, Lord, remember what beliefs that we are to have that would separate us from the rest of the world. That we are your people, we are your church, your body of believers. And uh, so I pray, Lord, that we get grounded in the essentials of the faith, although at times we may disagree on some of the other important but non-essential doctrines. And so may we acknowledge uh, your son, as our Savior, and the only Savior that mankind will ever know. So I pray, Lord, that today you would anoint me to proclaim your truth, that I would not lead anyone astray, and uh, that you would cancel the man. Pray you open hearts and minds to receive truth from your word, and uh, just empower us to be all that you called us to be, and apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So, we looked at the basic Christian doctrines that there's only one God, but this God is three co equal, co eternal persons the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, then we talked about the fact that everything else that exists, God created. So, creation by God. We talked about some of the problems with evolution. We talked about the fact that the Bible is the Word of God without error, in the original manuscripts. Now, we don't have the original manuscripts, but we have very accurate copies, and we have so many copies that when you compare these copies, uh, you begin to see that for all practical purposes, we know exactly uh, what the originals said. And the Bible is without error, and in the Word of God, in the originals. Uh, Now what we want to do is, is talk about the doctrines that man is fallen and sinful and that we cannot save ourselves. And then we'll move on from the bad news to the good news that uh, salvation is by God's grace alone and we receive that through faith alone in Jesus alone. There's no other way for us to be saved and we don't deserve it. It's not just that you didn't deserve to be saved when you got saved and now you deserve it, you still don't deserve it. There isn't, there's only one, one uh, human that walked this earth that deserved heaven. That was the Lord Jesus himself. For the rest of us, it's, it's a gift of God's grace. And God's not going to force it on us. But if we trust in Jesus for salvation, we would be saved. So look at Romans chapter 5 and uh, verse 12. And, uh, and then we'll look at verses 15 to 19 from this chapter as well. But Romans 5 and verse 12, remember, God created mankind perfect, okay? We were morally perfect, we were created in God's image, everything was going great, and and then we fell into sin. So Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And so the Bible teaches is that uh, God created Adam and Eve with perfect human natures. But when they fell into sin, that corrupted their nature, and then when they bore offspring, we inherited that corrupted nature. So we don't become sinners by sinning, We're conceived as sinners, so it's natural for us to sin. So we sin because we're sinners. We don't become sinners by sinning. Okay? And uh, if you look a little further in Romans 5, verses 15 to 19, and Paul is comparing the first Adam, uh, the physical Adam, with the spiritual Adam, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 15, But the free gift, the free gift of salvation, is not like not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, it was Adam's sin, much more the grace of God and the gift uh, by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which uh, came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense "...resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ." Therefore, as through one man's offense, through one man's sin, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, that's Christ, many will be made righteous." And so we see that we inherited Adam's sin nature. Once Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they corrupted human nature, they were going to pass on to the rest of humanity that fallen, corrupted nature. And because we have that corrupted, fallen nature we do not do what we ought to do. It is just natural for us to disobey God. It's natural for us to sin. And so uh, we find uh, that we are all sinners, we are all fallen, and we cannot save uh, ourselves. This is why King David said in Psalm 51, five that he was conceived in sin. From the moment of conception... He was sinful. And so we inherit uh, a sin nature uh, from our parents going all the way back to Adam. And um, uh, it also shows us that we're human beings from the moment of conception, by the way. As a side note, a very important side note, because tissue isn't sinful. Humans are. And David was sinful from the moment He was conceived. Okay, so we inherit uh, a sin nature. Look at Romans 3. I think I'm going to read the extended passage. We did this in our Wednesday night men's Bible study rather than just pick a few verses out. I'm going to read Romans 3, starting at verse 9 all the way through 31. And this is going to talk about the fact that man is fallen and sinful. There's none righteous. We can't save ourselves. But it's also going to bring in the free gift Uh, by God's grace through faith in Jesus. So Paul in Romans 1 talked about the pagan man. The pagans are lost. Then he talks about the moral man, your good neighbor, who's good to you and good in the eyes of other people. That guy's lost too. He's not good in the eyes of God. And then Paul talks about the Jews who have the law. They couldn't obey God's laws from the heart. So they're lost too. So now he's going to conclude there that all mankind is lost, that we cannot be saved by works of the law. So look at Romans 3, starting at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's a horrible report card, but that's our report card. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law or by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. No flesh will be declared righteous in God's sight For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law was never intended to save us. The law was intended to show us God's holy standards, God's perfect standards. And then when we attempt to obey God's perfect standards in our own strength, we fall short. And the law shows us that we fall short. So the law was a substitute teacher to lead us to Christ, to show us that we can't save ourselves by our works, and to show us uh, that we need to turn to God for salvation. has confirmed the way of salvation by sending us uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, says Paul, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. So there's a way to be righteous in the eyes of God apart from the law. And righteousness is your ticket to heaven. Our own righteousness, Isaiah says, is filthy rags before the Lord. So the only way to get to heaven, you've got to have perfect righteousness, and none of us can do that. The law shows us all to be sinners. So now there's a, 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 another way to attain righteousness. We've all failed being righteous in our, in our works. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Law and the prophets, the Old Testament. The Old Testament pro- prophesied the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of mankind. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, how do we get that? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, there's no distinction, we're all sinners, we all deserve hell, and so God provided salvation for all mankind, but he's not going to force that on us, we've got to come to God through faith in Jesus. For there's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified, being declared righteous freely by his grace, it's a free gift, you can't earn it, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption means to be set free by the paying of a price. Jesus set us free from sin and death by paying the penalty, paying the price on the cross for our sins. And he talks about Jesus, verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, as an atoning sacrifice, uh, to reconcile us, to satisfy God's wrath against sin, and to to um, uh, uh, reconcile us to God by his blood, by Jesus' blood and death, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You know, Romans 5.8 says that uh, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? But we're also told here in Romans 3 that God also demonstrates not only his love, but his justice by Jesus dying for us. That doesn't seem to make sense until you think about it. How does God... Declare his justice. God declares to us how just he is by showing us that the only way he can allow unjust sinners into heaven is by sacrificing his own son in our place. How just is God? God is so just there had to be that ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice for our sins. That God the Son had to become a man and die on the cross as the ultimately worthy lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But God also demonstrated his love toward us. How much does God love us? He loved us so much that even though we don't deserve to go to heaven, he had his son, his only begotten son, his beloved son, sacrificed in our place. And, uh, and then in verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. See, if you, got, if you earned your salvation by works, you could boast. You could say, well, I earned this. But no. But by the law of faith. Since it's faith, since it's trusting in Jesus, depending upon Jesus for salvation, relying upon Jesus for salvation, committing to Jesus for salvation, is something we don't deserve. It's a free gift. It's something we could not earn, okay? And so there's no reason for us to boast, okay? Um, If you want what you earn, we call it hell. It's the the eternal lake of fire. That's what we earned, But God, by his grace, has given us heaven and given us eternal life through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit draws us but we choose whether or not to resist God's grace or to trust in Jesus for salvation. Verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified, declared righteous by faith, apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised, that's the Jews, by faith, the Jews don't save themselves by works. We've got some heretics out there saying that the, the Jews can save themselves by the works of the law, and only the Gentiles need to have faith in Christ. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus damned to hell the Jewish religious leaders who are outwardly obeying God's laws, not inwardly. You can't do that without the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't indwell you unless you trust in Jesus for salvation. But Jesus said, you know, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't please the Father apart from Jesus. So since there is one God who will justify or save the circumcised, the Jews by faith, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles through faith. And so we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. So then people might think, oh, okay, well then it doesn't matter what I do. I could just go on sinning. But Paul says in verse 31, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. We fulfill the law. So we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, not of the works of the law, but once we're saved, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit who gives us the new birth. He regenerates us. He makes us born again. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work on us and change our hearts so that we become new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17... New creations in Christ so that God works his works through us. So Christians don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Good works are not the cause of salvation. Good works are the result of salvation. Okay? So we're saved by grace, but saving grace produces good works. Okay? God loves us enough to save us in the midst of our sin, but then he loves us too much to leave us in the midst of our sin. So we've all had buddies that said that they're they a Christian, trusted in Jesus for salvation, and there's just like no fruit. And they just continue. They don't want to go to church because, oh, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, and they just want to get drunk and party and be immoral. And yet they claim they're Christians. Uh, Look, faith without works is dead. James 2.26. If you truly do believe, you will produce good works. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory, that's the result of salvation, not the cause um, of salvation. And so the Bible teaches that we are all sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We all fall short of God's glory. God created us to glorify him to a certain degree, we all fall short of that. Okay? And uh, in order to glorify God to the degree that God called us to, we have to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans uh, 8, 28 to, through 30 tells us that that will happen uh, to all uh, believers. And uh, I want us to look at another passage here, and then we're going to move right into salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And uh, But John chapter 3, to be kind of a transition from the bad news to the good news. John chapter 3, and we'll look at verses 1 to 21. The Gospel of John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. There was a man of the Pharisees, those were the Jewish rabbis, who taught God's word in the synagogues. They weren't the Sadducees, they weren't the temple priests who offered sacrifices in the temple. They were the Jewish rabbis. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, so he was on the Sanhedrin, made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, kind of like our Senate, made up of Republicans and Democrats, and they didn't like each other. Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't like each other. But there was a, it was a Jewish ruling council of 70 members. Nicodemus was one of them. This man came to Jesus by night, He knew that the Sanhedrin didn't like Jesus. So he set up a secret meeting at night and said to him, Rabbi, so here this Jewish rabbi calls Jesus his rabbi. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So he's basically saying, look, I want to find out if you're the Messiah, so I'm going to meet with you at night because I don't want to get in trouble with the rest of the... Jewish ruling council. But look, teacher, I know you're from God. Because you give insight to the blind. You're causing the deaf to hear. The dead are being raised, the lame walk. Nobody could do that unless he's from God. So I know you're from God. Now, Now, Jesus could have said, thanks for the compliment, you know, you're such an important guy. If Jesus looked at things through the eyes of man, he'd say, You're such an important guy, you're a celebrity, and you're coming to a carpenter like me who's just starting his preaching career, my rabbinical duties and stuff, and you're you're really you're talking about me as if I'm a prophet of God. Wow, thank you very much. Okay. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the only guy you can't flatter. We like to flatter people to make friends. Say, yeah, you're you're a good guy there. Oh, yeah, you're, you're this, you're that. We flatter people and stuff like that. You don't flatter Jesus. You worship him. Okay? Any flattery we give to Jesus is going to fall short. He's the infinite... Infinitely worthy God, and so he worships. So Jesus is like, man, look, Nicodemus, man, I, I don't have time for your flattery. You know, um, don't don't you know, don't be act like, yeah, I'm 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 kind of aligned with you. It's like, no, no, you either you either worship me or get out of the way, okay, and um, and so he said, you know. Jesus, nobody could do the signs you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, that's like he's truly, truly I say to you, statements, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus is probably thinking, Well, I'll flatter Jesus, then maybe he'll flatter me, and maybe he is going to be the Messiah, and I could be his right-hand man, and This will be great. This will really further my ministry, and and um, and Jesus is like, look, 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 Nicodemus, just just close your mouth for a minute. Let me tell you something, okay? Unless you're born again, you're going to hell, okay? And um, to me, you know, do you kind of sense the impatience there? that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a good guy. Him and Joseph Arimathea, they destroyed their careers by providing for Jesus' burial. They were secret believers of Jesus and um, they were Sanhedrin members. But uh, do you sense the lack of patience? It's almost like Jesus is saying, dude, you're an expert in the Old Testament. You've been studying the Old Testament all your life and you can't figure out I'm the promised Messiah? Look, I'm going to bypass all this small talk. Unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Now, compare that with John chapter 4, how gentle Jesus was to the Samaritan woman. A very sinful woman who thought, you know, if I just find the right man, then I'll be happy. And she got burned time and time again. And Jesus was very gentle with her and said, you know what? If you ask me for living water, I would give it to you. He's saying, you ask me to save you, and I'll save you. And the difference was the difference between the, Samarit- the sinful Samaritan woman and Nicodemus, the Jewish rabbi. Okay, The Samaritan woman, who, who was closer to the kingdom of God? This, this lady's been messing around her whole life. Uh, uh, Nicodemus has been dedicating his life to the study of God's word who is closer to God at that point the Samaritan woman because she knew she was hellbound. she knew if she was going to get to heaven it had to be God's work and it had to be by grace so he's just like hey you ask me I'll give you living water I'll save you right here now Whereas Nicodemus is probably tempted to think, you know, I'm obeying technicalities of God's laws. I must be, uh, I'm, I'm going to earn salvation. But if Jesus is the Messiah, I'd like to side with him so he can conquer our enemies for us. And so Jesus is like, no, no, look, look, forget all the small talk. You should know this already. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he's saying, look, he's saying, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm, you know, humans are only born once physically. I can't do it a second time. Some think that he's not being literal there. Some think that Nicodemus is saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks. How can I change now? I've, been, I've had my theological views all my life. How can I change now? I think he's actually taking it literally and saying, wait a minute, uh, I can't be born a second time. You're, you're only born once. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's your first birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the second birth. You need to be born again by through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind, by the way... W- By the way, the word for wind is pneuma, and the Greek is the same word as the word for spirit. An unseen power. You don't see the wind. We think we see the wind, because we see the leaves of the trees blowing and the branches blowing, okay? That's not the wind. Those are the effects of the wind. The wind is invisible. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot uh, tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So he's basically saying, look, I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth, a spiritual rebirth. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Jesus is saying, you're one of the top teachers. And um, and Jesus Jesus is implying, too, that it's like, you know, man, you've got a lot of responsibility and you don't even understand the answer to the question, what must they do to be saved? Verse 11, most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? We've got a lot of people out there professing to be Christians and they don't believe the earthly things God said. How... how the universe was created and things. If we're going to doubt God there, how can we expect to believe God when he teaches us spiritual or heavenly things? Jesus says, no one, who has, a, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven in his divine nature. He's omnipresent, everywhere present. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, the Jews wandering through the wilderness were being bitten by poisonous snakes, and they were dying. So God said, take a bronze staff and put a bronze serpent on the staff. And whenever the people get bitten by a snake, Moses will hold up the staff, and they'll look, out of obedience to me, they'll look at the staff a serpent's staff, and then God will heal them. Okay? And Jesus said, that's what you've got to do. You got to. I'm going to be lifted up on a cross, and you've got to look to me in faith for salvation, to be born again, to be saved. Okay? And it's like, well, how could a serpent, which is symbolic of evil and sin, represent Jesus? Because Jesus took our sin upon himself. Um, on the cross. By the way, that's still the number one symbol for for the medical profession and healing uh, to this day. And um, um, then Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. God didn't have to send Jesus to condemn us. We condemn ourselves all the time. We were already condemned. If God wanted to condemn us, He would not have need to have sent Jesus. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the division between mankind. Those who believe in Jesus, those who trust in him for salvation, they receive eternal life. Those who reject Jesus, they remain condemned. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. A lot of people don't want to come to the light. They don't want their evil deeds exposed. If you come to the light, you've got to acknowledge your sinfulness before the lord for every everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed but he who does the truth those who obey whatever truth god reveals to them they eventually come to the light so they're not seeking god we're not seeking god but it's god is seeking us and revealing the light to us if we practice the truth he reveals to us he draws us more and more but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so uh, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you can't save yourself by works. You can't earn your salvation. You need to be born again, and this can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be born again, you need to trust in Jesus alone for salvation. It's not about Jesus. It's also believe in Jesus, trust in him. I give that illustration of uh, Officer Sanders when I worked with the uh, sub-base police. I always believed this about him, that he was a good police officer. He was a former Marine, but he wasn't just a real nice guy. He wasn't like a fighter type. He wasn't a weak guy, but he wasn't like a fighter type guy. But I always believed he was a really good Marine, so I believed that about him. Officer Sanders is a good Marine. Well, one day I arrested a drunk, and the guy was like, you know, 6'4", 230. I thought he was an old man because he was like in his early 40s at the time, and I was still in my um, late 20s, maybe early 30s at the time. And um, I was doing the field sobriety, and he just stopped and started going like... (sighs) and started clenching his fist. Well, that's nonverbal communication telling the police officer, stop the field sobriety test and cuff me real quick or I'm going to start beating up two cops. And, um, and so I realized that right away I, I told him, I said, sir, I need you to put your hands on the vehicle. I, I tried to get him as off balance as I could, get his legs spread apart and, and put the cuff on one wrist and um, and, and then I went to grab the other arm and he started resisting and even off balance I couldn't get that other arm around and I was like oh no Houston we have a problem here <laughs> and, um, and so we got in a situation where officers say we, we both knew that if this guy gets free and he's got one cuff hanging off you might as well be we swinging a chain with a razor blade on the end of it it becomes a weapon and um so I needed to get the cuff on the the other cuff on the other hand, but I was at that point I, I I gave up on trying to fight with the guy. I was like, okay, this guy's this old dude could still throw down, he's a big guy, he's drunk, he's off balance, and I still can't get that arm around. And um uh so I gave up trying to fight him. I decided I was gonna declare war on his arm. So it was just me trying to fight his arm. And I was losing that battle for a while too. Um, but all that time I knew that Officer Sanders he was a former Marine Okay, he wasn't the toughest guy in the world but I knew he was a good cop I believed that about him now I had the opportunity to believe in him and uh, because if I didn't trust in him I would have had to fight the whole guy for fear of what he might do with that one handcuff that's cuffed to his other arm. But because I trusted him, I knew he would die before letting go. Officer Sanders would die before letting go of that other arm. That was not going to be a threat. I can just declare war on the guy's arm. And eventually I struggled and struggled and eventually whipped the arm around. He almost did a face plant on the back of the vehicle, got the arm there, and Officer Sanders then put the other cuff on, and then we just... Stuffed the guy in the back of the vehicle, and the rest is history. But that, I always believed about Officer Sanders, good, good police officer. But in that situation, I had to believe in him. Maybe some of you out there say, well, you know, I believe about Jesus. I, it makes sense that Jesus is God, the Son, become a man. And that he died on the cross for our sins. And it makes sense to me that he rose from the dead and that he's going to come back someday. You know, you can believe all those things and still end up in hell. In fact, I know, I know Satan worshipers that believes all those things. But the one thing they didn't do was then say, okay, because of what I believe about Jesus, now I'm going to trust in Jesus for salvation. Okay? And so don't just believe... That Jesus is God and Savior and Messiah, believe in Jesus for salvation. Okay? Trust in Him uh, for salvation. So, salvation is by God's grace alone. It's a free gift, we can't earn it, Um, and it's given to those through faith alone, those who trust in Jesus alone for salvation. If you're trusting in Jesus plus Sigmund Freud for salvation, you're not saved. If you're trusting in Jesus plus your own good works for salvation, you're not saved. You've got to trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Um, this is why we call Jesus the Savior, because salvation is solely through him. So, salvation is a free gift of God given to those who trust in Jesus alone for salvation. This is the reformers. They had um, uh, sola scriptura. The Bible alone is the final authority for our beliefs and our behavior. So, there's sola scriptura. Um, But then sola sola gratia, solely by grace. Sola fide, solely through faith. Sola Christi, solely through Christ. Faith in Christ. And then sola gloria. God gets all the glory. We have no no reason to boast. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll look at verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10. For by grace, that's God's unmerited favor. That's God's charity. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And obviously, Paul talks about it in the verses before this. He talks about it throughout his letters. It's faith not in yourself. It's faith in Jesus. Do you realize there's going to be people who will burn in hell forever, eternal conscious torment, who have way more faith than we have? There are a lot of Pharisees that have way more faith than I have. But they had their faith in their own righteousness. Mahatma Gandhi had an awful lot of faith in his own righteousness. And Mahatma Gandhi, he might have even looked good next to a lot of horrible, sinful people. Okay? But you're not going to be next to horrible, sinful people on a judgment day. God the Father is not going to declare, you know, I, I ask some people, if you die right now, will God allow you into heaven? Every once in a while, a guy says, yeah, yeah, you would. And I say, well, why do you think God would allow you into heaven? And I get a response that basically, they don't come right out and say it, but basically, huh, I'm not as bad as Hitler. You know, but they always compare, they lower the bar. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. You should see what my neighbor does. Hey, God sets the bar. And the bar is Jesus. Gandhi's not going to be compared to Hitler on a judgment day. He's going to be compared to Jesus. And when your righteousness, which Isaiah says is filthy rags before the Lord, gets compared with Jesus' righteousness, you lose. God demands perfection. And uh, Jesus alone um, lived that perfect life. And... uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, faith in Jesus, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we're not, we, we cannot boast in ourselves. Now, by the way, Christians should be the most boastful people on the planet Earth. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 17, but he who boasts... Let him boast in the Lord. The reason why bars are filled up on Friday and Saturday nights in Bremerton and a lot of churches are empty on Sunday morning is because Americans tend to brag more about their bars than Christians brag about the Lord. Okay? We need to boast about Jesus more. When, uh, when Michael wants us to go door to door, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to boast. Not in ourselves, but to boast about Jesus. And, um, but we don't boast in ourselves. We're not going to get to heaven singing, I did it my way. If you did it your way, it's not going to be heaven. Okay? And um, for by grace you have been saved, through faith that and of yourselves is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship. We get our word poem from the Greek word there. We're God's work of art. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're new creations in Christ. So we're we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, Jesus alone, not of works. But once you're saved, you become a new creation in Christ for the purpose of the Holy Spirit working good works through you, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So salvation is a free gift of God given to those who trust in Jesus alone for salvation. This is why Jesus could say in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is saying, you you don't come through me, you don't come at all. You don't get into heaven except through Jesus. Acts 4, 12 says there's no other name under heaven whereby man can be saved uh, except the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm sure we've all had friends who say, well, you know, I'm a a Christian. I I don't believe, I'm a good person and I don't believe in Jesus, but I believe in God. So I'm okay. I don't need this gospel message. I don't need to go to church and stuff and worship the Lord and and pray that Jesus saves me. I don't don't need to to do that because I believe in God. So I want to look at a few verses here. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 23. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 23. Uh, John says this, Whoever denies the Son, that's Jesus, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He acknowledges the Son has the Father also. It's a package deal. You don't get to say, you know what, I want one or two of the three persons of the Trinity. I don't want all three. You either get all three or you don't get any at all. Okay? Mahatma Gandhi, people would say, well, he, he probably was a true follower of God the Father. He just rejected the Son. Mahatma Gandhi. He said, I could not believe that Jesus was uniquely God. If he's God, I'm God. If I'm not God, he's not God, so Muhammad gandhi's saying i'm not, i'm not going I'm not going to worship the carpenter from Nazareth. Hey, you reject the son, you reject the father who sent him okay um, It'd be like uh, you know if I owned the store and i and uh you worked for me, I was your boss. And I couldn't make it to work, so I sent my daughter, Melissa, to take my place the next day to represent me. And you disobeyed her. And then when I got back, I found out and I tried to chew you out. And you say, hey, No, no, no. I respect and obey you. You're my boss. I just don't respect your daughter. Hey, look, if I sent her in my name, you disrespect her. Or you disrespected me. God the Father sent. God the Son, the Lord Jesus, in his name. If we reject Jesus, we don't have the Father. You reject, you deny the Son, you deny the Father as well. You acknowledge the Son, you acknowledge the the Father as well. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 16. Luke chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus is speaking here. Luke 10 and verse 16, he who who hears you, he's talking to the apostles, hears me, because they were representing Jesus. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, says Jesus, rejects him who sent me. So anybody who rejects Jesus, they're not heaven bound. I don't care how nice they might look to fellow man, you know, I, when I witness to non believers, I'll tell them, if I think a guy's a good guy, I don't think everybody's a good guy. Some, some guys get on my nerves. But if I think a guy's a good guy, I'll tell them, I'll say, look, dude, dude, in my book, you're a good guy. If I were God, I'd let you into heaven. And they'd say, well, thank you. So what, what's the problem? I said, well, the problem is I'm not God. I'm just, I'm just one sinful guy. Telling another sinful guy that the stench of your sin doesn't bother me because I'm so used to the stench of my sin. But none of us are good in the eyes of God. Only the Lord Jesus is. And so we need to trust in him for salvation. And then Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33 Jesus says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, whoever acknowledges me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus, Jesus will say, yeah, I know this guy. He's one of mine. Verse 33, But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus, There's going to be people who say, Lord, Lord, about Jesus, and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Me and Pat were talking about this before the service. It wasn't like I knew you once and then I stopped knowing you. No, I never knew you. Okay? You you were never one of my sheep. Now, this passage is not saying you have to share your faith to earn salvation. What it's saying, though, is if you are a true believer, if you are trusting Jesus for salvation, your life will be characterized by acknowledging Jesus before men. Some of us are do it in a loud way. Some of us do it in a quiet way. Um, Cease acknowledges Jesus before others. She does it in a quiet, gentle way. Okay? But ain't, believe me, you, you, if, you know, if you know Cease for ten minutes, you know that she's one of Jesus' people. Um, I acknowledge Jesus before men, and I tend to do it in a louder way. Okay? Loud or quiet, okay, we, if you're a true believer, you publicly acknowledge Jesus. Um, if you publicly deny Jesus, okay, if it's characterized by that, you might have a bad night like Peter did, deny Jesus three times. But if you're a true believer, okay, you're gonna, your life's going to be characterized by publicly acknowledging Jesus as a Savior. If you're lost, your life's going to be characterized by publicly denying uh, the Lord Jesus. So, uh, salvation is a free gift of God given to those who trust in Jesus alone for salvation. You cannot have the Father if you reject the Son. And so as we, as we saw with Ephesians 2.10, Christians don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Good works are not the cause of salvation. Good works are the result of salvation. And so in closing, James 2.26 James says, look, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. If you're a true believer, if you're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, then the Holy Spirit will begin to transform you from within. You'll be a new creation in Christ and the Holy Spirit will start to bear his fruit in your life. By the way, our report card is not a list of do's and don'ts. In words to say the deeds of the Spirit, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Because Paul says against such things there is no law. And so is the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in your life? Acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. Trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He took your punishment for you. And then he bodily rose from the dead to conquer death for you. And so acknowledge you're a sinner. Trust in Jesus alone for salvation. And then the Holy Spirit will regenerate you. Will give you the new birth. Will change you from within. And you'll be saved. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to close in prayer it's often called the sinner's prayer. And, um, and what I want you to do is to repeat after me. If you already believe, if you came here and you already believe, I want you to just recommit your life to the Lord. I want you to just tell the Lord, Lord, you know I already believe, but this is not something I want to just forget about. And so I'm just recommitting my life. I'm reaffirming that I do believe in you. If you came into this building today and you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, then I would encourage you to say this prayer for the first time in your life with belief and trust in Jesus uh, alone um, for salvation. And um, so uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you bow your heads and just repeat after me, Father, in Jesus' precious name, I know that I'm a sinner I know I cannot save myself so I trust in your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and took my punishment for me and conquered the grave and conquered death for me I now trust in Jesus alone for salvation and forgiveness and dwell me with your spirit and change me from within so I may do the works of your kingdom through your power and for your glory Amen Okay, God bless you, everybody. Don't forget Tom Hoyle next Sunday. God bless you.